these young women who aren't even in the workforce full time yet were able to deliver a message with such clarity and such deep meaning that, that people really responded. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. Today, I am joined by two powerful women who own the company Genclusive. I am joined by Jessica Norhouse and Lindsay Lathrop. And I met them when they were working together on an initiative that's here in Vermont called Change the Story. So welcome both of you to uh, the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Thanks. It's nice to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to take this time and break money silence with both of you and to find out a little bit more about how you two came together because I have seen you in a variety of different work situations, meetings, fun events, and I've never gotten around to asking, how did you two as a dynamic duo get together? Sure. So Jessica volunteered when we were at Change's Story and we were first publishing our very first of four reports, status reports on women. And she volunteered to read and edit those reports. It was love at first sight. I couldn't stay away. It's true. And we both had a very similar philosophy around who could be the change makers around gender inclusivity, and that was employers. And so from there, we got to just start partnering on lots of different fun things like the Business Peer Exchange, which I'm sure you'll hear about, and um, now our company, Genclusive. Awesome. So Jessica, tell me a little bit about what your perspective was at Love at First Sight, and more importantly, (laughs) what uh, the initiative at Change the Story is about. The Love at First Sight part was meeting Lindsay and getting to work with Tiffany Bloomley, who's the director of Change the Story Vermont. Two amazing women, and many more have come through before and since. Change the Story Vermont is a, it's a partnership initiative that was formed by three organizations who have been serving women in Vermont for decades. So the Vermont Women's Foundation is our philanthropy partner, and the Vermont Commission on Women is our policy partner, and then a nonprofit called Vermont Works for Women is our program partner. And the thinking was that together, those three partners could consolidate their energies and fast track women's economic security in the state. So that's what we've been doing for about five years now. The Women's Fund has been very generous. We're in our second round of grant funding. And as Lindsay mentioned earlier, we were tasked with, one of our first projects was to collect and report on local data about how women were doing. So we've put out five status reports over the last five years, and that serves as an advocacy tool with our state legislature to help create policy that is friendly to women and inclusive to all people. 
it helps think about what we really believe that we should be collecting that data as a state every year, that we shouldn't rely on philanthropic funding. And it also has given us some tools to work with the change makers, like involving men in the conversation about gender and working with employers. So along the way there, Lindsay was instrumental in founding our employer project, which we call the Business Peer Exchange. And that's where we bring a cohort of employers together every year to talk about all kinds of topics around gender equity and inclusivity in the workplace. Awesome. So you both mentioned men, and I'm a big believer in male allies to gender equality. So talk a little bit about how you're involving men and businesses and, and what you're up to in that regard as it as it relates to your work. Yeah. I would say even more than male allies, I want male sponsors, (laughs) men who have skin in the game. So there's this saying that women are over-mentored and under-sponsored, and I think it's a great thing to distinguish with between the two, right? Because you need... You need advocates who are going to put their name on the line. And and I often think of that as having an economic impact on a woman for having that um, sponsorship. So yeah, so we founded, um, and through Change's Story, the Male Champions for Change group that has been facilitated for what, three years, Jess? Yeah. Yep. And so it's been really interesting to see who has been part of that group. It's, you know, across sectors, nonprofit, looking at, you know, what can we be doing around young men and talking about masculinity and, you know, getting outside of the traditional male man box. They also were pivotal in bringing a man named Ted Bunch to Vermont in February, I think two years ago. And what was incredible about that is that the room was what, 70% men? Yes, I was actually there. Were you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's been a really great way to get the idea of gender, like gender does not just mean women, right? And so, you know, we often see gender and we're like, oh, that's women's stuff. But getting men to really understand their role, you know, when you have most of the leadership roles, what can you be doing to bring others along? They've also been instrumental. Our Male Champions for Change group has been instrumental in launching or helping stand up a compensation review. Yes this year. So we are working with another group of employers, small to mid-sized employers, and focusing very specifically on doing gender wage reviews and Mm -hmm. helping them, giving them the tools to be able to identify any gaps that might exist and then mind those gaps going forward. That's awesome. So I don't want to oversimplify this, but is that similar to what Salesforce did and they found big gaps and then made up for the difference? Is that a similar kind of study or analysis that you're encouraging people to do? Exactly. And then have professional development. So once you close the gap, how do you make sure that you're not going to continue to reopen it because you're not changing your practices around negotiation or promotion or, you know, understanding your biases? Oh, I love that. I didn't know that work was going on. That's great. Um, That's absolutely great. So I want to talk a little bit about a story that went viral because I know we started off talking about Vermont and on this podcast, um, any of my listeners know I live in Vermont. I love Vermont. I talk about Vermont a lot. (laughs) Um, But this is something that really applies nationally. Mm -hmm. And so something that happened in our little state really blew up in a big way. So why don't you tell the listeners the story about the soccer team? Sure. Well, I would be happy to tell that story because it had a huge impact last fall, not only on our community, but on my household. My youngest daughter plays for the Burlington High School girls varsity soccer team. And as a team, 
they were inspired by the U.S. women's national team and their efforts to advance women on and off the field and in their lawsuit for equal pay. So they had, they asked Change the Story to help them create some jerseys that said hashtag equal pay on them. And they created these, these jerseys to, that looked very much like the U.S. Women's National Team jerseys. And we had the, the Mighty Seahorse on one sleeve, which is the Burlington High School logo, and the Change the Story logo on the other sleeve. And their, their goal was to raise awareness and raise a little bit of money. They wanted to outfit the team, but they also wanted to raise a little bit of money for a local all-girls rec soccer league to help diversify and open up that group and that club to make it more accessible to more girls. Love that. Mm -hmm. So they started selling the jerseys and we helped them think <laughs> about raising some money in the community to spon as sponsorships and talk to local businesses. And it, the community really got behind them, which was great. And they had, they decided to dedicate their senior game last October so they called it their equal pay game and they were going to wear their equal pay jerseys underneath their uniforms because you can't wear anything with a logo on it by Vermont school rules. And about three minutes before the end scoreless game, one of the senior captains scored a goal and they were so excited that they ran over. They had sold about 400 jerseys already. And so the stands were filled with people in their equal pay jerseys and they had invited the greater burlington girls soccer league players to come and they played at halftime so it was a packed crowd on a friday night and the, the team came running over and the plan was to lift their uniforms to show their equal pay jerseys underneath and a few of them got a little carried away and pulled off their game uniforms <laughs> um, entirely they were swinging them around their heads and the ref blew the whistle and issued four yellow cards to four of the players because is, they had jerseys with logos on now. Because, well, it was, they were technically carded for what's called excessive celebration. Oh, <laughs> I understand that in sports, but I think it's so like women just in their bodies celebrating all excited. That's right, awesome. right. Yeah. And those of us who were in the stands were a little confused because the week before the boys team had done something very similar, raised their jerseys when they scored and they weren't carded. Mm. So much like we heard in France during the Women's World Cup, mm. the stands in Little Burlington High School Stadium erupted into chance of equal pay. Assuming I'm getting chills. That's so <laughs> no. like, overwhelming. It was overwhelming. It was an amazing experience. And it, it got a little bit more complicated. So in high school soccer, now you also have to go off the field. If you get a yellow card, you have to step off and for one round of play. And in the confusion with the substitutions, the other team scored a tying goal. And the, appropriately enough, I guess the goal, the score remained tied to the, through double overtime to the end of the game. It was probably 10.30 or 11 o'clock on a Friday night by the time <laughs> we all left. The local paper was there and our communications director at Change of Story had managed to get them a lot of good local coverage leading up to the game. But the, and the, the local paper wrote a great article and captured some great photos of the ref issuing mm -hmm. the yellow cards and the girls looking quizzically at him. And about 18 hours later, they got a call that Good Morning America was sending a film crew to Burlington to interview them. So that aired on a Sunday morning. And that week, it just, the girls just stayed in the news cycle day after day. 
They were interviewed on All Things Considered. They were live with Anderson Cooper and on CNN. The Guardian wrote two articles about them and published that. And then the year really culminated in this wonderful experience where they were written up in both Times Person of the Year mm-hmm. or Athlete of the Year issue and also in Sports Illustrated's uh, Sports Person of the Year issue. So it was it was totally, it was so tremendous. Um, they ended up selling over 5,000 jerseys with that the going viral in a good way. And they have raised over $60,000 to help increase access for girls to sports and to support efforts to close the wage gap. That is just such a phenomenal story. <laughs> I happened to see the interview on Anderson Cooper and I remember just watching them going, this is so unbelievable that, you know, first of all, it's these young girls. They were so well-spoken. I don't know if one of those girls was your daughter or not. One of them was. <laughs> and doing this interview. And as you run off that list of different publications, yeah. um, you know, when you are in the field that I am in or in the field that you two are in, and you think about the impact of getting your words or your work in those mm-hmm. publications, it's really impactful. There's just so much great about that story. Right. And so, you know, as a follow-up, obviously they've raised a lot of money they've raised awareness is there are there going to be continuing efforts or is that kind of you know that story and it was phenomenal like how do we keep that going i guess is my question and i'm sure that you two have thought about that right well absolutely and and the team has thought about that you're you're absolutely right they're remarkable spokespeople their message has resonated with so many people around the globe it, that it's been really astonishing to watch and the what has happened you know that was october that this kicked off they were really selling a whole lot of jerseys right through january and that's what we like to think of as their advocacy phase that started so they were invited to keynote a couple conferences one of the senior captains is a filmmaker and she great made a great short film called yeah. yellow card which she entered in a film festival so that we're hoping is going to be much more broadly distributed they were recognized by not only the burlington city council but by the state legislature and the governor and so they were really in a position where they were just starting to build up to this much more policy oriented role and unfortunately they've been sidelined a little bit this spring but i I think that they're going to get rolling once the world opens up again. And there have been some partnerships that have emerged. You know, Secret Deodorant donated $15,000 to their fund. The Vermont Community Foundation set up their very first youth-led fund, the Equal Pay Fund. So that's something that's going to keep rolling. And then they've made some contacts with some pretty amazing women and from professional soccer players. Billie Jean King tweeted about them. Hillary Clinton posted something about them. Most recently, they got a letter from President Obama thanking them for some jer- customized jerseys that they had sent to him. So, you know, I, th- I believe that they can pick it up and roll. There are 12 seniors who are graduating. Oh. And, and that was really the remarkable thing is that these young women who aren't even in the workforce full time yet were able to deliver a message with such clarity and such deep meaning that, that people really responded. So I can't wait to see what happens when they get out in the world. And the, know. it's the really, really exciting. The younger members of the team to carry, carry the tradition forward. So Right. And so for both of you, I mean, a lot of your work is, like we said earlier, is really 
getting in and teaching people skills, advocacy, mentorship, Lindsay, sponsorship. Mm -hmm. And so this is an example of mentorship going really like phenomenally well. Mm -hmm. So what are the things that you have either taken from this experience, or maybe you've been teaching this all along to your businesses, your female and male allies about how we can continue to each do our part to close the wage gap and to make sure that we're practicing, I'm going to use your term, a gender inclusive environment. Yeah, I think so much of it comes down to, you know, well, the way that I think about this is really in two parts, right? There's a system or the stories that are told to us, and then there's the stories that we tell ourselves, right? And I often think about that as including imposter syndrome. And so I'm someone who thinks a lot about what can I actually control? And I can control how I am talking to myself. And I can control how aware I am of my inner critic and what I'm going to do about those things. And I I feel really fortunate because I've had incredible mentors in my own life. I would not be where I am today if it were not for those people. And, you know, there, I had a boss in high school. I, she, I was working for a scoop shop. She saw me and said, you know what, like I need help in HR. I was 16 years old and she was asking me to work in human resources. I didn't even know what that was. And then by 17, I was hiring, you know, international students to come work for this resort in Lake George, New York. And she totally changed the trajectory of my life. So I think we all have a role to play, whether it's, you know, whoever it is for young people to show them things that they are not ready to see in themselves yet. And that includes, you know, talking to young people around earnings and making sure that they understand that like, you do not have to accept the first offer. In fact, you should never accept the first offer. <laughs> you know, these are things that you know, we have control over. Yes, the system in many ways is not great, but like, you have skills that you can develop to make sure that you, you know, get the most that you can. Well, and what I love about what you just said is the idea that we can mentor somebody or, or notice something in somebody else. Because as you were talking about that, I was thinking back in terms of my career. And mm-hmm. certainly I have had wonderful coaches, mentors, friends, teachers. And I think back even to my seventh grade teacher who I don't even remember her name at this point, <laughs> yeah. but I remember that she was the first one that said to me, Kathleen, you really write well. Mm. And so five books later, I mean, it was the seed that was planted. And then, you know, there was a very long gestation period. Yeah. <laughs> and then I started writing. And, and when I published my first book, I had tried to find her. I wasn't able to. But it was like, I wanted to say thank you because I really, this seed was planted. You saw something in my writing. And as an adult in my 30s, this came back. And, and thank you very much. So what I love about that is just that we can all do that. It doesn't matter your profession. It doesn't matter your gender. It actually really doesn't even matter what age you are. No. <laughs> or what age the other person is. No. What's so wonderful right. about working with employers is, you know, Lindsay and I love it. We have the opportunity to build relationships with folks and help them think through what it means to apply a gender lens. 
to what they're doing and what their impact is with very simple, simple little tweaks or changes. It's, it's not always as complicated as a full organizational compensation review, right? <laughs> Sometimes it's as simple as looking at your website and noticing what the images are that you have posted on your website and mm -hmm. what messages is that sending to the world about your workplace. Or getting a group of people to share the gender messages they received growing up. Yeah. Some people have never thought or considered that question before. And then the impact of that on their life's trajectory or their career. Right. And I think it's important that we're talking about for businesses or business owners that are listening in, that it isn't always expensive, no. that it isn't always this long process. And I know the work that I do around gender quality in the financial services industry, I say the same thing. It can be something very, very small. But as I'm listening to both of you, and I realize right now a lot of what we talked about is Vermont, but what you're talking about can really be modeled across the country. Mm -hmm. And so tell me what your, you know, the parts of your model at a high level that you think can be taken outside of Vermont and practiced? And what's maybe one action step that somebody's listening and says, oh, you know, I want to do this in my state. I want to yeah. do this in Arizona. I want to do this in New Hampshire, whatever it might be. Tell me a little bit more about that. Absolutely. Well, for one thing, we, we, it's a very unique model. We have not found any other change the story like organizations or entities across the country. In fact, we get asked all the time, is there a change the story Alabama or a change the story Washington? And there isn't yet, but we think there could be. And we, we would be happy to help folks think through that and what that would take and some of the lessons we've learned along the way. Really key was this partnership, three organizations that are willing to come together and not that they hadn't worked together in the past, but had really formalized their relationship and thought about what their role was. And then hiring staff to be able to help carry that message because, you know, most nonprofits, let's face it, or government commissions don't have the capacity to do this kind of equity work. So um, they're really just keeping the fires burning and doing the great work that they do. That staff capacity has allowed us to dig a little deeper and to be really creative. We've developed tools. Lindsay referenced sharing what gender messages you grew up with. We've developed a toolkit, a set of conversation cards that has not only our data in it, but also prompts to get conversation going, get people talking about mm -hmm. implicit biases and the gender norms that undergird all of those messages that we hear and that we transmit. So I think that's a big part of it. It has been, it's been really a remarkable partnership and it's been really about drilling down into that data and then also bringing in the human stories, mm -hmm. right? So it's not just the stories that the data tells, but also the stories about people of all genders and how they're interacting in our state and how our systems have impacted them. Always comes to mind when I'm talking to you two about the work that you're doing together and the work that you're doing with Change the Story is the fact that it's multi-layered mm -hmm. and it isn't this simplistic, you know, one talk, one workshop, that there's a variety of levels. And so I really uh, admire the fact that you hit the government, you hit the individual person that's out there, the young person men, women, um, businesses. I think that's really very, very, very admirable. And I think the offer for other 
other states to come forward and say, hey, you know, we'd like to have a consultation and find out a little bit more about how we could make this happen in our state is a really wonderful offer and something that I encourage people who are listening uh, to take you two up on it. One other way that, um, that people can get involved beyond the state borders is that we also have an online course that we've set up. Oh, great. Um, and so that's, that's an easier way without having to get all of your, your, the state uh, powers that be behind you. Any employer or individual who's interested in taking a little bit of a deeper dive into gender equity in the workplace could sign up with Genclusive. I'm just so honored to have met you and to, to be able to work with you. And I know we swim in a similar pond, but we approach it very differently. And I, I really think what you've had to say today has been so valuable for my listeners. So thank you both for breaking money silence with me. Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.